Well, the thing about love, when you say do you, you, you ask somebody whether they love somebody, I mean, there is this thing is, is what they think is love, love? Because they could say, well, I thought I loved her. I thought I loved her. But somebody else might not think that was love. So it's a very sort of difficult question. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. So a little bit of context before I play you this episode. This is a conversation I recorded a couple of years ago now with my dad. As is inevitably the way with these sorts of things, my thoughts two years ago are not necessarily my thoughts now. Certainly the terms that I would choose to use now are different from the terms I chose to use then. I now would probably say sex worker rather than prostitutes. But when I was using the words in this conversation, I had the same feelings that I have now about sex workers, which is that one's body is one's own to choose to do what you want with and I don't believe in stigmatizing people for choices that they make freely over their own body. Obviously people who are not making a choice and it's not consensual that is a different thing from a sex worker that is uh, a very different thing and absolutely needs to be fundamentally opposed and dealt with. It's not the same thing in my view okay there is this question of what is consent in terms of work under capitalism because nobody really wants to do the work they want to do some sex workers may have more complicated views on their chosen profession than others but they should have the right i believe to choose whatever profession that they want to have i believe that men women we have autonomy over our bodies our own bodies they are ours anybody else cannot make a choice about how we choose to use our bodies that is a fundamental principle that i believe and i wanted to underline that at the beginning of this conversation also you might have gathered from that little bit that i just said that this is quite a full and frank conversation it deals with sexuality both my own sexual life and my father's sexual life it was a conversation between the two of us sharing those details with each other sometimes for the first time because of this i'm putting an extra warning out there if you're a member of the family you now get to choose whether you want to know these pieces of information you may not and that's fine so this is basically a potential Pandora's box for people who are related to my father or me. So choose whether you want to open that box or not. I've taken steps to try and anonymize or uh, slightly hide people's identity in this conversation through the editing. I've made choices on this. Those choices, I mean, they're my choices and they're made while I'm editing. And I apologise to anybody who feels that they have been too revealed in this conversation. Maybe I haven't achieved that in a way that, that you might agree with. I'm really sorry about that if I have revealed anything that anybody would not want revealed. It's a hard line to walk because my belief is in openness and honesty and that through those kinds of things and through empathy we can kind of move forwards as people and learn more about ourselves and each other and stop stigmatizing each other for our choices 
But I also understand that within the framework we have, people have a lot of shame and that privacy is a complicated thing because how we control our own stories can sometimes be power within this society because it isn't completely open, I don't think, uh, the way that the, the, the law functions and things like this. So it, it is hard for people within this world, especially in the internet age and I'm just trying to navigate that and I hope I've navigated it well and if I haven't I'm very sorry please forgive me and tell me off and you know I'll go back in and edit it and change the file or something like that so this intro is getting far too long but just one final thing to say that this is the second episode in a family season that is coming out at the moment last week we had Sheila my dad's first wife and we had a recording with my older sister when she was an eight-year-old talking to her grandmother so a woman from the Victorian times and Sheila's mother this week we've got my dad and me talking about relationships next week we got a conversation between my mother and me about our relationship my relationship with my mother and her relationship with her mother and, and generations and how these things work out this one today is a big one I've been trailing it a little bit teasing it here and there over the last couple of years since I started doing this show next week's one is another big one those two conversations big moments for me in terms of my relationship with my parents you know, I don't think I can conceivably make any kind of judgment about my own behavior I mean I think that I think other people can other people will can and will maybe they come to the same judgment maybe they come to a different one I need to get better I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we are getting reacquainted with Peter Bickering, who I've now done two conversations with. When did we first meet? So we've covered that in the past. When you were born. When I was born. Is it worth talking about the things in turn in relation to chronology? You can, yeah. What, What... well, I mean, you, it was 81, wasn't it? 1981, so, that's yeah. right. So you were born then. 6th of October, 1981, I was born. Was it early in the morning, isn't it, I think? I think it was, yes. Yeah, I think it was early in the I morning. I think it was, it was either late in the well, it was either in the middle of the night or early in the morning. Yeah, three, I think mum, I think I remember something like two or three in the morning. I or think it was. Mum said. Yeah. That covers that one, and the other one is... What do you do at the moment? I am retired. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of that's what you put on forms. I think you, you've been retired nearly all of my adult life. I have been. Yes, you were born in what do we say, eighty-one. The miners' strike was in eighty-four. So I stopped working effectively in eighty-three when the coal board folded, coal board unit folded. Except that I went to Northern Ireland and made a. A film for IE Films. That was the little unit that Robert and I had on our own for the Ch- Save the Children Fund. I've forgotten the title of it. That was the last thing I did in documentary film. Documentary films on the Northern Ireland film. I got the first word processor, which we talked about last time. And I used to have that upstairs because by then I had moved into the two upstairs rooms. But by the time you were one and up with something like that, 18 months. No, one. We'd arranged to split the house so that I'd have the two, because your mother and I were going to divorce. I mean, we, you know, we amicably 
it was around. So I was going to have the top, because it was a very big house, really. I was going to have the top two big rooms, that lovely sunny front room, which had always been a guest room. <laughs> you moved into what had been my... Now you'd been in a little front room. And I think you moved into the room which I'd had next to the bathroom as my study. I think you moved in there. But this is where I'm hazy, these kind of things. But I used to work in the big front room at the word processor and you were in your playpen in the middle of the room with okay. all sorts of toys and things. That's what sort of first. Yeah. Uh, I can remember that particular memory of you. And you would then have been, you, you, you were walking at 11 months. So this would have been a bit younger than that because you were sort of beginning to walk, but you were staggering around the playpen. Containable. Containable, yeah. yeah. You were quite happy. I mean, it wasn't a sort of cage. It was sort of because you were right behind me and, and it was a lovely big sunny room. I always remember it was very good. And the Germans came sometime in your second year. You know, the Germans came, a great party of Germans descended on King's Lynn and I did this little bit of TEFL teaching for um, Rosie across the road who was also doing it. Okay. You probably wouldn't remember that. No, I definitely I mean, wouldn't. Because you would have been a... Yeah. They had a very attractive um, course leader, actually. But... Um, <laughs> no, I remember. That's, that's she, went, she was English because she went to Australia afterwards. And I was in touch with her for a bit. I mean, we were quite friendly, and that's all. So, um, in a way, that, uh, a, a, that sort of slight introduction covers some of the... <laughs> Areas that we're going to go into in a bit more detail in this conversation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm a well, no, no, no. It's ragged. fine. I'm using okay. it as a, I'm segueing, as they <laughs> yes. call it. Yeah. So the very attractive course leader over the road. No, no, no. Rosie. Oh, Rosie was. Remember Rosie? She. No, I don't remember her. You don't remember Rosie? I, don't, I, don't, I have three <gasps> memories maybe oh. of King, Kings Lynn. In well, North Rosie and I forget her bloke's name or his name. They were okay. married. So. She, this, well, why I was trying to go is I was going to go, you know, the, this very attractive lady over the road um, is a way into... No, no, the lady over the road was Rosie. Yeah, the very attractive one was... With the course leader. Course leader. That's why I thought... Didn't live in King's End or anything. She came with them, okay. although she was English. Well, that's what I thought initially, so... I'm, yeah. So, okay. Sorry. So, no, I'll try again. <laughs> the very attractive course leader... Yeah. that was involved with this TEFL course is an in interesting sort of way into what we're going to talk about more generally today uh -huh. which is for uh, better or worse relationships I guess uh -huh. where does one start? okay when do you first when okay let's let's go really far back and see what we can get from there. When do you? What's your first earliest memory of being aware of women? I'm terribly sorry to have to say that it was in the kindergarten. And there was a little girl with very, very silvery white, very, very strangely silvery white hair. Can't remember what her name was. So you were being well, about four or five well, or something. No, yeah, I'd have been about five. It was four or five. I think I went to school in a private school for a sort of a year, part of a year before I went to the state school, of, which would have been at five, wouldn't it? Okay. And then, and then there was Hazel Rhodes, who was a great friend. She was like a woman friend, but 
child. We were very good buddies, but there was nothing. We didn't have any sort. Of, we were both children. How old? We were totally felt totally equal. You know, tomboy, tom girl, or whatever you like. We were just. We did the same things. We were interested in the same things, except that at some point. Well, I mean, this is a very common experience. We went into the, in there, there was a little outside lavatory there, and we went into the outside lavatory to see what one another were like. Yeah. Um, no, I remember. It was the usual sort of uh, you first or whatever, but yeah. it was just very casual, very simple. It was done. It had no sexual connotation. It was, it was all women are different to men, you know, girls are different to boys, and we were not in a family where there were lots of children either. We were both only children, so we wouldn't have seen sisters and brothers and. You know, we might have, but we hadn't. No, I remember... That was it. it I was remember a curio- couple of... Pure curiosity, solved. We, I mean, we started, then we went out and went on playing. I remember a couple of similar experiences, I think. Really? It's prob- yeah, I... Um, it is common. Yeah, there was a, a, girl, a girl called Charmaine uh, in my primary school. You were helping in the school at the time. Yeah. Um, so you, that'll that. have some rela- relation... Yeah, you didn't know about this, of course. Um, and a girl called Charmaine had a had stole my rubber my eraser and put it down her knickers and then uh i showed me her uh vagina i guess under the table which was a strange experience and then i had a similar thing i i went out with a girl a little bit later you know went out in inverted commas in primary school with a girl called rebecca i think this was in the last year of primary school and I remember that name. Uh, yeah, Rebecca. She was my girlfriend for a for a period of time. So I must have. I would have said. I would have told my parents she was my girlfriend. I think. And uh, we went out back in her um, her house. We went behind the shed and did the whole. She showed me hers. I showed her mine. Oh no, that was always worse than that, Dad. God, it was worse than that. I slightly emotionally blackmailed her into the situation honestly in that what I said to her was I don't know if we can carry on going out together because I've had this level of intimacy with Charmaine <laughs> that I haven't had with Not you in those words. no but in this kind of <laughs> yeah. but yeah and I said you know I, I haven't seen your vagina so I can't Did uh, you call her vagina? I, I, I don't know what I would have called it I actually memory. don't know what I would have called yeah. it I don't think I don't don't remember any names for no I don't remember for, any names for, Early names. Show, you know, you show. Let's see yours. That, it was that kind of thing. Yeah, it was like that. So yeah. she showed me hers. I can't remember if I showed her mine. It might have been as <laughs> simple as she, like, knew. she had to give me what Charmaine had given me in order for it to be a right a proper adult sort of relationship in my head. Pretty horrible thing in a way. Was she to do. Says Did a lot she about. Mind? Was she reluctant? No, I think she was okay. But I think this is. I think she was. She was probably excited by it in some ways. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. She had this girl that was a friend. Yes. What about Maisie Butterfield? I I remember. Well, Maisie Butterfield was just a kind of school. It, you know, she was known Maisie Butterfield. It's I don't a, know why. It's a tremendously sort of sexy pretty, name, but she it. wasn't sort of sensitive. It was a personality, you know, and she used to. She used to encourage boys to release them. But this was in sort of, this was, which in those days would have been more socially and emotionally younger, would have been in the sort of 12, 13, earlier, mid sort of lower to mid school. Right. You know, and Maisie Butterfield was sort of a known figure in, in, that, in that sort of early interest thing. 
And what happened? What, 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 what? Oh, you just followed her. You, you people you were used to saying things to her. So you followed her up the hill. That's followed her home, yeah. And her father came out of the door and sort of told me off and went away. And that was it. What did you say to her? What was the sort oh, of... I can't remember. Well, I did... Uh, at the beginning, I, I think I repeated a thing which everybody said. Or it was just somebody must have told me in the playground or we'd all laughed at or something or other. She was meant to know about. I'm pretty sure of that. It was something that you I was probably told. This is what you say to her, right? And you, what you, <laughs> it was terrible. I have a flower. Do you have a garden? Or, or <laughs> I've got. I got it was that area. It wasn't a sort of demand. It was a statement. Reminds me of. Um, and she was meant to react to it, but I mean, I suppose she reacted according to how she. I don't think she particularly like me. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of. Uh, the Power Book by uh, Jeanette Winterson, where um, a woman goes to uh, goes to sea in the from Holland uh, on a pirate ship, and she has a tulip that she is using as a fake penis. <laughs> that becomes a kind of phallic, but also a flower is both female and male, isn't it? The stem, yeah, I the yes. stem is is very male, but the petals is so yeah. it's quite a nice image that. That Jeanette Winterson used throughout that book. Okay, Those the big thing, I guess. Late. When's the first sexual experience? Very late, very late. You probably late, you, a bit late, even for those days. What was late to well, you? Well, it was eighteen. I'd have been just, I'd have been eighteen. Yeah. I've got friends, Dad, who didn't lose their virginity till twenty-two. Oh, I know, I know. quite a I lot mean, of friends. It, it was more, but but now, but on the other hand, you've got a lot of people losing their virginity at thirteen, fourteen. Now, in those days, that was probably fifty. Not very. I mean, there were a few. Obviously, there always been a few, because you know, when people are physically mature. There's nothing really in nature to stop it. So, so there would always be a few who were early. I mean, because they both were capable of it and were prepared to. But in that at that time, I would have said most people they were sort of sixteen, fifty, few fifty, mostly sixteen, seventeen. So eighteen wasn't all that. Uh, I mean, I had a bit of experience before that, you know, I'd sort of touched girls and that sort of thing. But I hadn't actually, that was not, that was when I first had sexual intercourse when I was 18. And what, and what were the circumstances of that? I don't know whether I want to... You don't want to go into that? It's, I wouldn't mind telling you, but... Well, it, we it can relates, be a bit more... It would, perhaps we I can be a bit people, more vague. Yeah. And we can say that it was an older woman. It was an older woman. It was, uh, and it was, yeah, it was quite, a, it was a very mind-blowing experience. And it was before yeah. the war as well, and the war it was, during was related. The war, during, the early, during the early stages. The woman's husband yeah. was away, and yeah. that's as far as yeah. I think we should yeah. go with that's that. But, the, but, but, but the, the, that was the context. Yes, that was the context. And how, what, how did that affect you personally? Well, Do you I'm remember feeling that, like I mean, awake? It was good, I've always thought, I mean, subsequently, I've always thought, you know, it's a good thing. I mean, which is just my, an assertion, because it can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. But I've always sort of thought that, you know, for a young young man to have experience with... I mean, she wasn't old. She, but, uh, was, old. she would have been in her 20s, and I was, well, you know, late 20s. Maybe, God, it's and I per it really is the perfect situation, yeah. I believe, for a man losing their virginity, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. And it can be the other way around, except it's more dangerous, because men can be more sort of... Older men can be a bit more nasty, just, yeah, potentially, yeah, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not that there aren't nasty women, but I'm sure, but no. That's how it but feels I mean, to me. It certainly could work with men. You know, if a man was very fond of a girl and it sort of was introduced, you knew. I mean, it's not a question of thinking you're going to have a relationship. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of introduction. If a if a woman has if a woman has sex with an older man and that older man has not yet discovered or will never discover that sex is about pleasing both parties, yeah, then, then I think that's the problem. Yeah. But if it's a man who has come to that discovery, maybe because they've had sex with an older woman, well, I mean, I think isn't yeah. surely the that would be the ideal that you have sex with, you know, that it's like a cycle. So your responsibility as an older person is to give that experience back to somebody else who's yeah. coming up that would be a good yes, way right. to approach I mean, I it that's, what, that's certainly what happened in my case I'm sure I mean it was uh, there was an element of there was fondness in it but there was also very much an element of somebody you were very fond of and you know um, okay you introduced them to when I lost my virginity because I think it's it's only fair to be reciprocal in this discussion <laughs> I think yeah. uh, we both so know yeah. and we both we both we both, we're not, it's not like we um, don't talk about these areas necessarily, but no. we've never sat down and focused on it. No, that's the difference. Um, I agree. Yeah. When I lost my, my virginity, I lost it, ironically, in your bed when you were away. Uh, it was at a party. Which house? Which house in Cardiff. I was 16 years old. Right. It was essentially my 16th birthday party. Yeah. I'd got rid of, you know, I was allowed to have a party in the house That's on my right. own. You'd gone, yeah. mum had gone. And I had sex in your bed while the party was going on. Weren't we outside? Didn't we go to that? No, you weren't we were there. No, 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 16, 16. it was. Oh, yes. You weren't yeah. there, definitely. No, were yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't have done this if you'd have been there, because that no. was the whole point. Yeah. And we had sex in your bed, me and uh, my girlfriend at the time. Good. Who came to live with us eventually I actually had a hell of a lot her very much. had a very hell of a lot of sex in that house in the last few years of my life oh, poor, I know that. my poor sis not my, of my teenage life my poor sister must have had a hard time of it being next door I do feel very sorry for her about that when you first start yeah. having sex yeah. you don't think Absolutely. about I think with any partner as well even subsequent partners I found this with don't think yeah. about anybody else yeah. Or anything. So I, I had sex in your bed and it was not a very satisfying experience. That was the first time. The first time we were really, we didn't really know how it worked. Neither of us had sex. We thought we were being safe with the condom, but we actually were not. Because what happened was we kept being so scared that it would break that we would stop. And then I would, we would wait for a little while and then we would start up again. Which meant that the condom was not actually safe. I should have used a different condom every time. But I didn't realise that yeah. at the time. Even though I was very well sexually oh, educated. I mean, you'd given me books from an early age and all that stuff. But it was, yeah, it was an unsatisfying experience for both of us. I think I didn't even orgasm. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, in the living room, on the fold-out settee, after upstairs. everyone had yeah upstairs after everyone had left the party oh because that was the other thing we kept being interrupted it was one of those terrible party things where people just kept interrupting our this kind of losing our virginity experience we kept being interrupted by drunk teenagers going oh sorry didn't realise oh 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 I get it I get it all over the house probably 
I should imagine there was a we're few people having I. sex. They were away. This is what happens when you when oh, teenagers we were have away. Yeah, this is what happens when teenagers have a party I and there's no pets around. Yeah. Is they just have sex and get drunk and nonsense like that. Oh, but anyway, I'm, I remember very distinctly the next day on the fold out settee, me and my girlfriend engaged in other sexual behaviour activities, yeah. and she said to me you see this is much better than last night and it can get and we can we you know th- there was a kind of profound i guess moment i i thought where we both sort of experienced the idea that it wasn't always going to be a letdown yeah. you know and we'd learned something from the experience of it being a letdown as well you know and then we moved on and we got a bit better we did lots of I don't know it was a very lucky I think in my in 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 one respect I think that was a very lucky first relationship for me sexually funny Rosie never commented on it yeah no I it's unfaithful because I commented on it to Tony I remember really being very ashamed of myself because I remember saying in in family in your flat in Coventry saying Tony and his girlfriend are keeping me awake all night having sex all night um, because they were in the the room next door and Sonia my niece telling me your granddaughter telling me off and saying that's their business and and I realised that what I'd said wasn't funny it was stepped over some kind of adult line and it wasn't acceptable to make a joke out of this and that I'd made Tony feel awkward and I'd made felt very bad about that I've always felt really bad about that um, it's one of those many moments in my life I really wish I could undo mm-hmm. and I can't so I, but I think it was very lucky that sexual relationship for me because although it wasn't an older woman teaching me that the, the, the way like for, for you it was uh, it was a we explored together we sort of had a kind of checklist let's try everything that you can do and see what it's like because we were kids and we didn't know what we liked and we were finding out and it was very that's really kind of progressive in that respect there were a lot of other things that were wrong with that relationship and i think that sexually i was irresponsible after the relationship ended because i would keep on going back for hookups and I that wasn't fair emotionally to her and I wish I could again undo that from my behaviour my past she was very beautiful she was very beautiful yeah I thought you know you were very lucky yeah I was that was your first sexual experience you went off to war Hmm. did you get much sex in the war not a lot the odd Occasional. In the later in the war, because I was out not in the war, I was there from 1947. Although I came in between for you know brief leave, um, but I did have a couple of experiences with sort of prostitutes, and uh, I was very much in love with the girl. It, it brief, you know, it brief, just when the war ended, by the banks of a river. Walking along the banks of a river with a young girl. Because I, mean, I would have been what was it 90. Uh, I think, well, 45, I was, uh, come on, I was 21. That's right. 21. I think she was sort of 16 going on 17. Is she the first girl you remember being in love with? Mm, no, no, no. I mean, in love, yeah, you mean that strong feeling, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I didn't, well, I wasn't, 
it was it was just such a nice situation after the war. You know, the war had just ended. Yeah. Because I, I spoke a bit of Italian. Yeah. Um, I, and her family were very friendly. I think I met her with her family. I think we, you know, went and had. But they did. It was very very uncarnal. Well, up to a point. I mean, there, were, there was that feeling was there, but we never did. We walked along the bank of the river, and occasionally, I think we were allowed to kiss. Unconsummated. Unco oh yes, very unconsummated. And then, unfortunately, I was only there for a few days, and then we were whisked off. We went to Austria, and I sort of I wrote to her for a while in Italian. But when I got back to England, I dropped. I don't know. It was all. I feel a bit. Always felt a bit guilty about it. Not that I, you know, not that I. I mean, she was a romantic sort of Italian, the sixteen-year-old. Actually, looking back on it, I often think, you know, maybe I. Who knows what, what it would have been like. Anyway, the one that got away, I think, is the unfortunate <laughs> cliche. I mean, the problem with all these cliches, like I'll show you mine, you show me yours, is that they they have lots of uh, examples in in real life. I know. Here's another one. I know. So after the war, yeah. you returned to triumphant as a young. Not particularly triumphant. Well, no, but the world, the country was. There was somebody was saying, yeah, oh, we, and I was sorry, well, no, not after the war, yeah, I mean, what happened is after the war, and the war ended in 1945, uh, they started, immediately started a demob scheme uh, in groups, and if you'd be, you know, the people who went in first came out first, so my group was 50, I think, so I mean, I knew I, I wasn't going to just jump out of the army and... Okay, so it took yeah. a long. So a long I, while. we sta stayed on, but in early in f um, later in '45, I think they established a, le a, a, a leave scheme okay. by which, if you were staying abroad, you went home for a couple of weeks' leave. Two, or th I think it's three weeks, maybe. So I went on one uh, in about 1946, early six '46. No, yeah, probably early '46. I would have got. I went on this leave for three or four weeks to England. Then I came back to Italy and I was there until 1947. Okay. When I was dim when I was dim And that's is that, that So that period I mean was was quite a long period after the war and I was living in a very strange kind of way because the army it was a civilian army. Yeah. So it wasn't a sort of dedicated professional army you expect well the war's over yeah. but we go into Barrett. I mean everybody was really virtually sort of waiting to get out. And they had to sort of find things for us to do. Like, I mean, because we were still in, it was still military police in Italy. Uh, one of the things I did was you became green caps, rather like specials, you go out with policemen. Green caps went out with red caps. Like special constables? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so in that time, you were relationshipless? Yeah. Yeah, I never actually. I don't know why, looking back on it. Um, I mean, I used to organise the, uh, the sergeant major, because I can speak Italian, I used to walk, used to have to all, well, not totally organise, but have, do it, any liaison with Italian-speaking people, and when they had sort of parties in the mess. So you met with I don't know why I didn't, actually. Were I you interested? going to Rome, and, um, yes, I mean, I did sleep with a prostitute in Rome once, and I did sleep, yeah, I had one previously in Naples, one night, you know, for all night. Um, anyway, no. what was it? I mean, what did it? What was your experience of sleeping with prostitutes then? What What did you take away from that? 
One was almost untalkable about. Okay. The other one was was terrific. I thought she was quite lovely. I mean, she was young. She wasn't, you know, she was my sort of age. You know, there were hints of, in the morning, I mean, there were sort of hints of feeling, which was un- very un- unexpected and unusual, I suppose. Well, I, I, I slept with a prostitute once in my life. I guess that was the second person that I slept with. And that was when I went to Amsterdam when I was 18 with two of my friends. It was a ridiculous trip as well. It was 12 hours. You could only go there for 12 hours. Like the coach got there and then you had 12 hours in Amsterdam <laughs> and then you had to get go back and the bus journey was longer than the 12 hours. So you spent a lot, of, we spent most of it on coaches and the rest of the 12 hours in Amsterdam where we got off, got in a ca- went to a cafe and uh, legally in that country obviously smoked uh, weed and got stoned and then yeah. I had, well maybe it was why <laughs> yes. we went, I don't know why we went really, it yeah. seems a bit weird looking back on it, it was two very different friends from, no it was no, two no. friends from different friendship groups as well oh, so no. it was an interesting no. experience in that respect. I had this big theory at the time of life experience. I was really committed to life experience and a a writer should experience every experience if they might want to write about it. Kind of, uh, sometimes I do think of myself as a little bit of a kind of method writer. Uh, And I don't know if that's always a good thing. But I wanted to have the experience of sleeping with a prostitute for that research, which I think is very naive now. I think that that wasn't necessarily a good enough reason that I really should have maybe thought about that. But this is why I did. Uh, and it's legal there, obviously. And it's safe there for them to a certain extent and for you to a much greater extent. And mm-hmm. I'm, not against, I don't, I'm not against prostitution or anything. We went down and it's like a shopping centre. I, I wrote a poem yeah, about it yeah, called Window Shopping in Amsterdam. Yeah. And you walk in along the streets and here's how what happened. We, we were looking through the windows at the, the women mm-hmm. and we went down and I picked one and my friend said oh Dave don't don't choose the first one you see and so we went and we had to look through all of the rest of them he, he had the theory that I should have sex with a ugly woman because that would make the experience even more you mustn't tell me but I'm trying to think weird. Who friend is oh, I'll one? tell you later I can imagine and I, I didn't feel that was going to work because I didn't think I could actually perform if it was someone I wasn't attracted to mm-hmm. and so we went round looking for some other woman I couldn't find one that I, that I want like why couldn't you go back to the first well I went back oh, we yeah. went back oh, she was and she'd gone <laughs> so then I had to find second mm-hmm. woman so she was very kind to me because I was incredibly nervous about this experience <laughs> and Yet she was very professional and clinical, which was absolutely intimidating and unarousing. Yeah. But at the same time, I hadn't had sex for a while and I was only 18, so yeah. I was aroused. So, yeah. uh, that experience was very bleak. I mean, I wrote about it and I could remember the yeah. details then. I can't remember the details as well now, um, but I remember that she told me her name because I asked it but I don't think that that was the real name I can remember that she had a piercing which I found very strange as a concept and that that I felt a great pressure to orgasm quickly yeah. and I 
couldn't therefore orgasm as quickly as was liked. So I just felt like the only fair thing to do to this woman is to get this over and done with. But yeah. I just don't, and I, you know, but I need to feel, I need to lose myself in the moment. Yes, of course. But I can't lose myself in the moment because I feel too guilty about uh, this transaction and this this thing. And afterwards, I was, you know. I wasn't depressed and I don't really feel ashamed of myself for doing it but I do think that it taught me a hell of a lot about the sex industry about male sexuality so that's prostitution yes that's prostitution tick Um, (laughs) okay so your first um, your first marriage then what happened then how did that happen how did you come to get married well we were both we were both yeah, I met her at a friend's wedding. Yeah, I think I was what two years older than her. That's what really mm-hmm. sort of normal sort of. It was very physical. She had a lot of experience, you know, for her age. And you but loved her. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing about love, when you say, "Do you you, you ask somebody when they love somebody?" I mean, there is this thing: is is what they think is love, love, because they could say, "Well." I thought I loved her. I thought I loved her. But somebody else might not think that was love. So it's a very sort of difficult question. And did your idea of love I mean, change? I thought, yeah, I would say I loved her, but somebody else might say, yeah, but that wasn't love. Do you find that you loved some people at the time and then in I hindsight you change them? I tend to sort of fall in love very easily, very quickly, sort of immediately, ridiculously. Do you think it's sense of not of how totally thoughtlessly? Do you trust? Do you trust love? Um, at the time, yeah, of course. That's what you know. It is kind of total apparent total trust. Then I suppose that's one of the problems. Yes, it is apparent total trust. But in actual fact, there are sort of areas which both of you will be holding back. So it isn't really. I mean, you don't immediately get together the day you meet and say, "Now I'll tell you everything about me." Mm. Ask me any question. You 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 believe you've got this amazing relationship with this person you can be honest with and talk openly with, and in a way you have. But it is restricted. There are areas which neither of you are going to feel that I will reveal at this moment. Yeah, right. you're not hiding them, but you do know. So um, <coughs> I think. No, I think that that's very often what happens, that you you do have this kind of total feeling in that, but then as time goes on, the areas which you have not revealed either get revealed and affect one another or accepted or not accepted or become, you know, or they're just revealed unconsciously and behaviour. The other person realises they're there. Yeah. And then you start to think about the person in a different kind of way. And that's, I suppose, the crucial moment when the critical moment when you either, what, what being with them staying uh, is outweighs leaving. Can you remember a moment when... Well, the moment, that, that moment, you either decide that, you know, you will stay, everything, that what you've got is worth... Um, Fighting for, e- working Well, with. you've still got it because you haven't lost it yet. I'm not now talking about if you meet somebody else. I'm just talking about as you gradually get further into your relationship, you may you will discover these areas of difference. For some people, they may not matter. You know, other case, 
but you discover them. Do you remember? And then you begin to then, when you be, when you have discovered them, that is the moment when you have to when you decide everything, all of the totality of this, everything I love about her, and everything which I now find difficult about her, is greater than all of the disappointment. So you stay. Or you say no, you know it isn't. I, I, this revelation, this is revelation, is so strong and alters my feelings generally. And you, uh, do you remember a moment when you felt? Does, do you remember a moment when you thought with your first wife you wouldn't stay together? Do you remember the mo- the first moment you considered that? No, not exactly. So, yes, okay. I mean, so I had I had senses of uh, uh, problem areas or things like that. Well, I'm sure she did. Yeah, okay. I mean, and so it went along for and a long time. We can skip to the yeah. end of yeah. that relationship, yeah. which I think is fairer uh, <coughs> to people concerned. Yeah. Um, and you met my mum. Yes. We, you had comfortable with. Going into the circumstances of you meeting Not, them? We can't go into the total circumstances, but I met her. Um, I just, I met her, yes, I think you say that. And, um, yeah, I mean, she was much younger than me. Uh, she had a boyfriend, and I think she'd just fallen out with us. I can't remember the details, but anyway, that's how it happened, you know. Uh, and, and so I left my first marriage, and we went off. We were, we we had to hire a you know room. So you, you left killed. you left your first wife for yep. my mum, who yep. was to become your second wife. Yep. Um, and you'd had two children in the first marriage. New mum got on well at first. What? You and mum yes. got on well yeah. at first. Yeah. You must have done. I think it, I think your mother summed it up very well because we. I mean, by that it was, a, we discussed obviously the fact that, you know, age difference and breakdown of previous and all that. And I remember her actually saying, well, if we have 10 good years, that's that's fine. And in actual fact, that was about right. Well, 10, ten <coughs> you had 10 years, didn't you? Hmm. I don't know if they were all good. Yeah, yeah, but yes, but then as you know, I mean, we grew up, I, we, we were sufficiently friendly that we could share. Uh, we, we could take into account me being near you. T- you and Mum had a very interesting and progressive relationship to childcare yeah. after you had split up. Yeah. So you had my brother, and then you six years later you guys had me. Yeah. And I was conceived when after you and Mum had officially split up. No, when we were. Because this is what Mum says. What did she mean officially? Well, you, you, you and her, you, you weren't a relationship. You were had nothing to do with each other, physically, I guess. And then you got drunk at a... It was Christmas. Christmas, yeah, Christmas or a New Year mm. uh, party or something. That may well be true. My memory does I, mean, conceive- I can't remember, but that's quite conceivably true. What she's saying is that we had already... We were certainly... Not, yeah, we were split up in that sense. I didn't know whether... I can't remember the timing of it all. Uh, but that, yes, basically that's true. And so and, sure, and it was that kind of... A, yeah. 
yes. that kind of a night. I think yes. I can. I don't, I, 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 it's better probably yes. not for me to have it heard <laughs> by myself. No, I think the, probably, the audience I mean, might I be interested her, in it. I would trust I, her memory on that. I think I, that's just you know we, we have a very open relationship, but that's one area I don't really want to know about <laughs> too much. No. I mean. No. You know, mum, mum's excl- it told me a lot about things that I don't no, necessarily sure wish I knew about, no, sure about sex. I mean, I, um, no. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's possible. I'm not surprised, that's interesting. I've often wondered about that. I thought she probably had, or would. Well, she just says things like, you know, some of the best yeah. sex of my life has been, I haven't orgasmed or something. When, I, when, when, you're, when you're a teenager, this is a very confusing thing to, to, to hear. Mm-hmm. And don't worry. This, if it's if, I, if I if I say it, it's 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 no, my just it's, it's me yeah, saying yeah, it, yeah, not yeah. you. That's all right. Yeah. But it, I think it was in some ways a very positive thing to be told. I think that it did it did prepare me quite well for the the fact that it doesn't always matter if you if you come during like if the girl come oh, yeah, girl yeah. comes in every sexual encounter. Yeah, no, no, it um, it did prepare me with a very positive uh, view, and I think mum's mum's sex educational statements whilst. Sometimes amazingly revelatory to me um, were were good sex education, were good good comment. I mean, the one I always use now is I say to a lot of women, because I work with pregnant women and sometimes, and, uh, you know, and when friends are pregnant, I always say, you know, mum said that giving birth was the most, one of the most sexual experiences of her life. Because that's a very interesting piece of information that people should know that, that childbirth can be something like that. It's strange to me that can she be. said her mm-hmm. second birth was like that, which mm-hmm. means that she was talking about giving birth to me. Yeah, yeah, sure. When no, she was making that yeah. comment, yeah, which well, is complicated to think about as a. It's complicated to think about as a young adolescent man. I think that yeah, piece of information. Yeah. But anyway. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> no, not strange, really. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, oh, open. Good. No, I'm good. No, no. Open. I am nothing if not the product of an open family. Nobody goes around recording their their conversations with their friendship groups if they've been <laughs> brought up by uh, closed mind, sort of stiff upper lip types, which have some. I think there's some value to that up of kind of upbringing as well. I'm not saying that my upbringing is it's perfect, perfect no, or ideal. Perfect. No, even though I'm talking I to one of the people who brought me up. Oh, no, but um. Okay, so you left mum, yeah. and you left somebody else for mum. You left your first wife for mum. Yeah. I mean, what? What do you think about? And I, you know, what do you think about the act of infidelity? Oh, I mean, it's, it's like saying, what do you think about life? I mean, it's got so <laughs> many facets. There are so many alternatives. There's no, you know, the, the spectrum of sort of guilt from either side or the the reasonableness of of um, breaking up a relationship. Or, and in the business, I mean, they're all discussing it now because of this bloody wedding. Um, <laughs> they're all discussing it, all the... Radio 5 Live and 4, I, never, I think 4, I don't know, I never listened to 4. But anyway, they're all on about the wedding and wedding vows and that sort of thing. What was I going to say? You don't know what what you think about infidelity? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, 
Yes, and uh, yeah, and another, you know, the, the question of what the, the adequacy of wedding vows, whether you should say, you know, forever and ever, or till death do us part, or not. This is all. This is all being discussed in the context of the royal pairing, um, uh, and you know, it is infidelity is everything from sort of appallingly um, self-centered and you know despicable to um, I don't know fair natural fair natural yeah unavoidable yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's it, it's a strange one. I mean, yeah, attitudes to this sort of thing vary so widely. I mean, the only bit of the Sermon in the Mount I really don't like is the bit about um, Jesus saying that uh, if you look at someone with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Yeah, uh, which is absurd right, because right. every single uh, woman and man who is in a relationship, has looked at another woman or man, whatever they're attracted to, and who isn't their partner, and imagined some kind of sexual thing with that oh, yes, person. But without wanting to leave you your partner. You, that, that, doesn't cons yeah. that does not constitute... That is nothing to do with being adulterous. No. And I'm not sure if I believe in the kind of social construct of adultery and marriage and... I well, think that things are much more complicated well, and that people are naturally very relationship, yeah. different mean, from that and yeah. I think that you can look evolutionarily at that sort of thing and I'm quite interested in that sort of side yes, of things of, yeah. of, of actually ha has, have we ever been completely monogamous at the same time yeah. I think monogamy personally for me I think monogamy is a, is a, is a good choice to make and has to be worked at um, yeah, and it's hard. I mean, I've been in a relationship for ten years. Uh, I guess that's as long as you and Mum lasted. Yeah. So, touch wood, we have we're not splitting up at the well, moment. And well, you know, hopefully, my first marriage lasted uh, much longer. Yeah, I hope that ours will yeah. last indefinitely. Is the intention? Yeah. Well, that's but it, that's it. I mean, as long as the intention is there, everything's okay. But I, the intention I, disappears for any reason whatsoever. You can't anything about. You can't say it's there. I think, but I think you have to work at that oh, stuff. Of course, yes. You know, yes. you have to. Like you at the moment, me and Jenna making yeah. deliberate time to spend together yeah. as a relationship yeah. because we're both very driven in different ways and we're not seeing each other personally. And that sort of thing is does make a difference. And it is Absolutely. that kind of thing about after the bloom of love. Uh, sort of passes away a little bit you have to find you find out if you're friends and if you're friends then you can carry on yeah, and you absolutely. can keep well, on I mean, but the I important thing is to keep that bloom of love that yeah. initially happened happening regularly because oh, yeah. if oh, it yeah. doesn't happen regularly and you do just become friends then yeah, you yeah. will look elsewhere yeah um, no, 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 you naturally yeah. I think either party would um, but you left your wives and there were children involved yes what do you what does that sent sentence mean to you uh, you know i don't think i can conceivably make any kind of judgment about my own behavior i mean i think that i think other people can other people will can and will maybe they come to the same judgment maybe they come to different ones but i couldn't i don't think to say, oh, I say, well, I, I 
to justify it this way or that way, or to say, or to be to take on a guilt, which is. I don't, I'm not asking you to take no, no, on any I mean, guilt. But either Just of those things, so I, you know. I don't know how you can really do it. I mean, you you can't know. Mm. Um, no, I think that's a fair point. I think that people I mean, can be very glib about these evolutionary things. psychologists would would would, would um, certainly simply say, say it's well, simply a matter of fact. I mean, he was a, an older man; she was a younger woman. Um, he wanted, you know. Um, he he wanted the, the sort of younger female, which is what which is common to, to male behave male inherited male male behaviour inherited and developed from you know um, the distant past. But I mean that doesn't get you anywhere in terms of guilt <laughs> or or innocence. Well, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. It's to sort of say, well, well, you know, yes, our ancestors. Well, inherited this I don't think you have that much guilt anyway to take on your shoulders. I don't have any, that much guilt. But I don't think you should have because I think that you generally I don't feel that much guilt. And I wouldn't say I don't. I'm not that guilty. I don't feel that well, much. Guilt, I think sorry. that you, generally speaking, try to still play an active and vital role in all of your children's lives. You may not have always achieved it equally. Like I think you spent probably more time with me as a young person, just by nature of you being retired, um, than you could spend with some of the other children when you were working. And yeah, that is true. Yeah, I uh, think yeah, that, yeah. and also I think that gender roles change through time of your life. Good amount of time with Tony, of course. Even yeah, because I was working, but I was at home a lot. You were freelance yeah. then, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I spent more with the boys, I suppose, in my first marriage. More actual time. I mean, I, I don't think my behaviour was the same. I mean, I just like kids, which is very strange because I never wanted them. I never actively wanted them. You know, some men. I mean, I know, you know, some men get married and say, "Well, well, let's we want six kids." Yeah. You know? God, yeah, yeah. I never had. I was totally neutral. I was totally in the hands of a woman. Like, if she wants to have a baby, okay, I'll go along with it, even though it may alter my life and I know all that. But, I mean, it's something yeah. good to do. And that's how it was. Well, in both cases, really. I never I never initiated it as a kind of, oh, let's do this. But I totally accepted it. And you loved all your kids when and they I came along. And I loved the kids, you know? yeah, which is, is, yeah. Which I think is lucky, I'm well, going to say, which is a weird thing for us, for all of us. Because... Yeah. Not all parents love their children, and that's something that people oh, that don't is, mention. I know that is hard, yeah, but it's and not all children love their parents. No, that's not, yeah. And I think that in that respect, the family's done all right. We're, yeah. we're quite lucky in that respect, yeah. Crazy, but all right, very complicated, <laughs> lots yes. of drama, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't think that the love is uncomplicated in every. In every direction, no, no, like no, some relationships within the family, it's complicated love, but it's still, yeah, it's it is still, still love. Fit, yeah. Everyone still I feels agree. something I for agree. everyone else. I think, yeah. I think you can't speak for everybody else. No, well, but the evolutionary psychologists would once again say, well, you know, it's tribal. It's it yeah, but the truth of the matter is that not, you are not the all families have that. You, we are in our genes. Yeah, we no, are. I know, I know, I know, I know. And I don't think I'm just. I'm, I don't know why. 
quoting the evolutionary psychologist, I don't necessarily agree with that. No, well, I mentioned evolution, didn't I? Yeah. So it probably put our, yeah, I mean, our minds well, in that kind yeah. of frame. And, and I think we're all very lucky that, you know, we've, we all still have quite good relationships with you as an adult as well. We've been well, I'm very lucky. lucky. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm very lucky. You know. Well, yeah. yeah. So we're both lucky. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. well, I, yeah. I think we're both lucky in some ways. I don't think either of us are lucky in all ways. What do you think about women? <laughs> now you, I mean, now you've asked me an even bigger question. <laughs> even more extraordinary. I mean, what? Yeah, I have. Um, I think, is again, I believe it's very difficult to describe these kinds of things of yourself. I think it's very unreliable. But I will know, okay. Um, I think I'm very, I like women. I mean, I don't think I'm a misogynist. I certainly believe in all the political kinds of equality and all that sort of thing. You know, I think it's, uh, it's again coming back to evolutionary psychology and history with the, you know, take your choice and that, but, but, um, women have inevitably been pushed into an inferior position. Whereas in terms of sort of modern life and communication theory and everything else and brains, um, you know, it's ludicrous that they that they aren't sort of a totally equal half of society. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, so I don't think I'm a misogynist. I am interested in, I am very interested in looks. I mean, I know... Um, I've always fallen for women who were relatively attractive, you know, attractive or, yeah, attractive. It's, it's perfectly okay but, you know, to fancy we're, we're people that went out words that. around in inverted commas, attractive, people have to decide what they mean by it and why. But, you know, you know, the, what do you call it, the stereotypical thing. Yeah. You've gone for women who you considered to be stereotypically attractive. attractive. Yes. Well, no, I didn't consider them stereotypically attractive. I found <laughs> them attractive, and yeah. I would say that that that, I, that if you that, that I do find stereotypical looks attractive. But then, stereotypical looks are a very difficult thing to pin down. I mean, I, I mean, for this example, yeah. you know, I mean, I know that that Agreed. one person I know of that I know that both of us find attractive is Marilyn Monroe. Yes. Right. And but Marilyn Monroe is not the same as every woman that I found attractive, and nor is she conventionally attractive in some ways. Certainly not for the modern day. Not for the modern construction no, no. of yeah. of, of, yeah, of attractive. Like Mae West, yeah, you're going back a bit. Far. I mean, and it's always been really complicated and cultural. Like m models are not attractive, but somehow they become the fi figure yeah. of 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 a, you know this image of attractiveness. That it's a very strange world in terms of what is stereotype and what isn't. Yeah, but yeah. but but you've always been gone for looks over uh, over brains. Six, yeah, looks over brains, Dad. Well, no, I never never know what what a person's brain is like. I mean, how would I, you know, to think well, this is an inferior. I mean, I might look at two women and think, oh, she's more beautiful than she is, or she's more attractive, but I wouldn't sort of look at two brains and say... That's more intelligent than no, that. No, I mean, I well, suppose I, if you like to put one in brains, there and measure it. Brains yeah. is a problematic term. Really yeah. what I'm getting at is personality. Personality. I honestly couldn't answer it, because 
I mean, when you become attracted to a woman physically, then you start to, to elide all these things, you know, you, you, and I would imagine that there's a return of this for, for women, you know, you tend to initially, you tend to, ex to take all the qualities which you would like, which you would like anyway, and if you find, if there's something there that, that sort of slightly clashes with you, you tend to look for ways of rationalising yeah. it. Say, oh yeah, but she's, you know, and she would say, oh yes, but he's, you know. Well, I think the thing is you don't ever get personalities walking around you get physical bodies walking around mm. and they've got personalities inside them. So it's kind of a strange thing to try and make the distinction because when you fall for someone, you yeah. fall for... You, you, I think you can fall for just the looks, yeah. but uh, you can't fall for just the personality. No. I think that but you from can, the male from, point of view, from, anyway... But from interest in personality, two personalities which are interesting can make the, the physical body look more attractive yeah, if yeah. they are, have got chemistry as well I know move but I think that's chemistry is also mm. another important point because I think you can have someone who is chemically attractive mm. and personality attractive that mm. you'll find attractive but that's not the same thing as as attractiveness but anyway I mean I don't know I can't speak for women I can't really speak for no, men but you asked me what I think about women I mean, so I mean, but then uh, you know, on an, uh, they're also human beings. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, you do have encounters of women where sex doesn't enter into it even at all. You know, um, in terms of age or situation, all that. You know, it isn't one isn't sort of it isn't the, the sexual the sexual lineup. What is, is not to is not there all the time. Why do you think that you? when I asked you about women, you know, considered the possibility that you might be misogynistic? Because I honestly don't know in my personal behaviour whether I... I don't think I am, but I mean, I could be. Do you think that, that there is an element of the male psyche that is... Uh, awkwardly slightly misogynistic and that those well, of us that kind of know that tr have to try and battle it or do you think that well I think there are differences which sort of uh, you know statistically are variable but I mean there are there is a kind of general just uh, yes yeah, I think there women. are differences between men and women yeah. chemically there are yeah. differences. Yeah. We have different hormonal systems, which I always think the interesting thing is everyone thinks, oh, women are so hormonal. Mm. Men have got testosterone <laughs> going yeah, in every absolutely. three fucking minutes or something like that. So we're getting constant. We're constantly yeah. hormonal. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're only occasionally hormonal. Yeah. So really, they should be in charge because they're more likely to be rational oh, yeah. uh, for a longer period of well, time, whereas we're always a little bit more irrational. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah. But... Um, okay, so I mean, I guess that's really the answer that you you worry that you that there is a kind of. I don't really worry about it. I think. I don't worry about it. I don't. I don't. Uh, no, I'm just thinking that there might be women who think I am misogynistic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there might be. Um, and, and there they, are certain ways in which I would quarrel with sort of political correctness that. that would upset extreme feminists. Yeah, know. that's true. But um, 
Yeah. Well, that's definitely true. And uh, I mean, I think that, that, but I think you'd you'd be surprised that more and more generations of of feminists, I think, um, would view you as much less problematic than you consider yourself to be now. So I think when you think about your writing or your statements, um, you consider what feminists in the 70s might have made of your of your general con um, opinions, whereas I'd say that feminism now is much more complicated uh, yeah. and nuanced and sex positive, yes. which is a new modern word, yeah. which means bollocks, but also something. <laughs> yes. um, and I think that maybe in that, in those respects, you know, I think, <laughs> yeah. um, I think you do, I think you do all right, generally speaking. I mean, no individual, oh, male or female, can no. say that they haven't hurt no, 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 someone in their life, you know. But my women friends, or you know, don't nobody calls them something. No, I think it was just it's just a kind of echo of something. Well, it's I think it might be an echo of what it is to be male. When I look at the work I do myself, it it deals around it it skirts around this area. It's I mean I'm interested in exploring what the fuck this is all about, so that I can know myself sort of better as a as a man because I think it is complicated uh, and it's worth taking on and the challenge yeah. to try and work it out but then I, I guess you've been trying to work it out for well I've given up now years, I don't really you? have to yeah <laughs> exactly so you've been uh, so I'm just sort of retrospectively yeah I mean I do yes I sort of, sort of think about it sometimes and sort of, yeah but, but no. I'm not having to no, no, I mean, I regret that I'm not. I mean, that's the most appalling thing about old, old age, actually, in my opinion. But I don't know, Dad. For me, I see. I think I don't know. It's always grass is always greener on the other side, you know. I always think if I could get rid of this kind of sexual urge thing. No, no, you don't want to do that. Never do that. No, <laughs> grass may be greener, sort of on the other side. But I mean, when the grass sort of dries up, then <laughs> all right, you're in a desert. Yes. Go on. Well, no, I mean, I think it's time to sort of wrap it up. We've uh, gone a little bit over, but I think that's okay because we'll right. probably cut some. So um, it was good to good to talk to you again, Dad. Do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Not really. Not really. No. No. Fair enough. No. Right. That's good. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. And uh, should we say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> So as I said at the start of today's episode, this was the second in a kind of family season. Next week is with my mum. On Wednesday it's the conversation and on Friday there'll be a GBA special that I recorded in a bus traveling back from having the conversation with my mum. Uh, that was quite an intense weekend and uh, I'll go into that in more detail on Friday's episode. And then the final episode in this family season is with somebody who's not actually a proper member of the family, not my blood, who's called Sue, who is the only woman who remained friends with all parties in the two marriages that my dad had. 
that's what's coming up over the next two weeks and then after that it's going to be the run-up to going to edinburgh getting better acquainted is going up to edinburgh going to be doing two live shows and a load of recording a couple of gba specials i reckon maybe one but probably two coming out during my time up there the third gba special in three years so i went up one time as a punter the next time i went up as a performer this time i'm going up as a producer with my show stand-up gradually it's going to be at the fiddler's elbow at 6 30 till 7 30 every day from the 3rd till the 14th of august so there's a little plug you can have for that you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can find it on facebook it's getting better acquainted have a search on facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can also subscribe by searching on itunes and subscribing to us that way and on the stitcher smart radio app you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the app store There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.